Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Uh, Tonight, I want to give a specific um, uh, focus to uh, our delegated authority by the name of Jesus. We've been talking about the authority of Jesus' name. And uh, because we're uh, a person down in our AV, you're going to have to flip your Bible to your pages yourself, so we're not going to see it on the screen tonight. But uh, if you'll follow along with me, I believe that it will strengthen you in recognizing uh, what has been delegated to you because of Jesus' name. Can we look back at one of our our texts, our foundational texts here in the book of Acts I want to look specifically at a question that is asked in Acts chapter 4. And uh, in this, they had been, again, threatened not to preach anymore in Jesus' name because they got the man who was lame from his mother's womb, who had been sitting at the gate beautiful all of those years. They came walking by there, Peter and John did, and in, in him begging or asking something from them, Peter said, what I have, I'll give you in the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And the man, he took him by the hand and lifted him up and the man stood to his feet and he left and he walked and he praising God and the people in the, the temple went wild. And they came running to Peter and John as, and, and tried to, to give all the credit or the glory to Peter and John. And Peter and John said, hey, wait, hold on a minute. It's not us. It's not us in our ability or in ourselves. It is by the name of Jesus. And so they had um, taken them into custody. And it says in... Acts chapter 4, let's begin in verse 5. And it came to pass on the, tom- on the morrow that their rulers and elders and scribes and Annas the high priest and Caiaphas and John and Alexander and as many as were of the kindred of the high priest were gathered together at Jerusalem. So they had quite an audience, didn't they? <laughs> they had quite a congregation here. And when they had set them in the midst, they asked, By what power or by what name have you done this? By what power or by what name have you done this? They recognized that for there to be the outflow, the the supernatural result that they have reached beyond their human ability and they have accessed an authority higher and they said, by what power or by what name have you done this? 
Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, You rulers of the people and elders of Israel, if we this day be examined of the good deed done to the impotent man, by what means he is made whole, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, even by him does this man stand here before you whole. It is by the name of Jesus this man is made whole. By the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, this man is made whole. And then in verse 12, he said, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. He said, The name has been given to men. They wanted to know where did you get this name? By what power? By what name? How did you make this happen? And they said, we have a power. We have a name. It's a delegated name. It has been given. Remember, he said, what I have, I give. He, it has been given. The name has been given to men, to us. This name has been given. It's the name of Jesus and this name that is given brings salvation. It brings wholeness. It can make someone perfectly sound. Hallelujah. When we recognize that the name of Jesus is speaking about the title and all of the power in that title, not just the title, but the position and the power in that position, all of Jesus' throne is behind the use of his name. All of his, um, all of his authority, all of his rule and his governing power is released in the name of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2 is the next text I want to look at because it reveals to us this... Um, being a position, being a position of power, a position of ruling. Philippians chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. I think that the um, King James sometimes leaves us in uh, a little bit of a, uh, a deficit of understanding where this is concerned. So I want to read it to you from the Amplified. If you have a tablet or a phone and you can follow along in the Amplified, that would be great. If not, just listen to me as I read verses 5 through 8 in the Amplified. It says, Let this same attitude and purpose and humble mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although being essentially one with God and in the form of God, possessing the full 
the fullness of the attributes which make God God. So before Jesus came to the earth, he had omnipotence. Before Jesus came to the earth, he was omnipresent. Before Jesus came to the earth as a man, he was omniscient. But when he came as a man, he laid those attributes of God, he laid those aside to become a man legally. For him to be a legal redeemer, he had to legally be a man. He wasn't pretending to be a man. He wasn't God just, just taking possession and borrowing a body. According to Scripture, it says the man, Christ Jesus, is the mediator between God and men. So it still refers to him as a man. Him becoming a man did not take away from him being 100% the Son of God. In the same way that you are 100% human here today, Yet, if you're born again, you are also a child of God. You're born of God. Your spirit is alive, and you are 100% a child of God through the new birth. In, in, in recognizing what this is saying, when it says Jesus was one with God, he possessed the fullness of the attributes that make God God, but he didn't think it was something that he would be, he, he didn't think it was too hard to set that aside to come as a man. And so I'm going to read that part again from the Amplified. It says, he did not think his equality with God was a thing to be eagerly grasped or retained. So we're talking about, it's saying that he, he did not think his equality with God was something he was unwilling to separate himself from for the time for him to come as a man. He willingly came as a man. Hebrews says that it behooved him to be made like unto his brethren. In other words, he was, he was, he was all in. He was for it. He was willing. He was, it, that's great. I'll go. In other words, he didn't despise having to be a human. He didn't say, ooh, gross, that's disgusting. You want me to be a, a man? Ew. I'm God. I'm the second person of the Godhead. I'm God, the Son. I'm God, the Word. And you want me to have a body? You want me to be limited to flesh and blood and bone? That's, that's religious thinking. That's religious thinking because that same religious thinking will give more emphasis to a whale than a human life. I'm all for being responsible in this nation or in this world with our, our worldly resources of of and the and animals but I'm more compassionate towards human life than I am of animal life but the religious mind puts human life down at a low 
we're just dirty, rotten scum of the earth, and God, by His mercy, has just made a way to save us, and we are going to get into heaven by the skin of our teeth. But Scripture says, what is man that you are mindful of him? The angels. We're, we're higher than the angels in creation. Hallelujah. God created man in his image. He didn't create angels. Hebrews chapter 1 and chapter 2 is identifying how that Jesus is better than the angels. And then man is better than the angels. Hallelujah. So when Jesus came as a man, he willingly separated himself from omnipotence, separated himself from omniscience, separated himself from omnipresence to come and to be our kinsman redeemer, to legally take on a human body. He is in the genealogy listed in Matthew chapter 1 because the Bible is a legal spiritual document that shows Jesus legally came into the earth. And did you notice when we read from Acts uh, here where it says, Jesus of, in the name of Jesus of Nazareth. Acts chapter 10, verse 38, Peter was preaching at Cornelius' house, and he said, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Notice he, he, Jesus of Nazareth is identifying the legal authority Jesus has on the earth. The legal authority he has as a man, a human body gave him authority, gave him the ability to receive the authority that Adam had forsaken. He was the first man since Adam that was qualified to operate it. That's why Jesus could command the wind and the waves and they obeyed him because he was a man Alive unto God, equipped to operate the authority that God had delegated to man. Delegated authority. Hallelujah. So Philippians 2, when it says, we need to have this attitude. May you let this mind be in you that was also in Christ Jesus. That now that you are alive unto God, now that you are born again, now that you are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. It says in verse 7, he made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. We're talking about the sacrifice of Jesus laying down his life, pouring out his blood as payment for our sin, becoming sin for us who knew no sin so that we could be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. It says, wherefore... Verse 9 starts with the word wherefore, and it's pointing back to all 
that is listed in the fact that he came as a man, that he humbled himself to the point of death and died the sacrificial death necessary to pay the price for us. And because of this conquest, because of this obedience, because of this fulfilling of the will of God, God also has highly exalted him. Now, he was God the Son before he came as a man. This high exaltation is taking place after the cross, after the obedience, after the fulfillment of the will of God. God highly exalted him, and in this exalting, gave him a name. Gave him a name. Jesus as a man, a man of God, the Son of Man, the Son of God, God gave him a name that he didn't have before. We're not talking about an identity, we're talking about a responsibility. We're talking about his, his authority to rule. God gave him a name. He placed him in a position. He exalted him and gave him a name. And this name is higher than any other name. There is no name that, that will bring a greater authority or a greater uh, uh, power, a greater operation of ruling power. When I say power, I want us to think of ruling, reigning power. There is no name higher than the name Jesus has been given. God gave him this name as the, as the conquering king. God gave him this name as the risen Savior. God gave him this name, this authority that he didn't have before. And Jesus, look at Matthew 28... Jesus said something in Matthew 28 that he had not declared before that time. Verse 18, all power is given. Do you see given? I want you to think delegated. All power is delegated. All power is given. It has been handed to me. It has been transferred to me. It is now in my possession. It wasn't in my possession before, but now all power. And this word is the word exousia, which means authority, right to govern, jurisdiction, dominion. All dominion has been handed to me. All jurisdiction has been delegated to me. All right to govern has been transferred to my office, <laughs> transferred to my position. All exousia is given unto me in heaven and in earth. Go back and look and see what Philippians, let's finish Philippians. I just want you to see that Jesus made that declaration after the cross and before he ascended. So God has given him this after the cross. 
he has delegated it to him as a a man. Jesus is still a man. He's still 100% God. I'm not saying he's not he's not the son of God. He is, but he's the son of God and the son of man. He identified himself that way in the earth when he was walking on the earth. He emphasized I am the son of man more than he emphasized I am the son of God. He made that declaration because he's 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 uh revealing how he's authorized. I'm the son of man. I'm the son of man. So in Philippians, again, verse uh, chapter 4, or chapter 2, and verse uh, 9, wherefore, wherefore, or because of his obedience and his, his uh, victory in the cross, because of this, God has highly exalted him and given him a name a name, given him a name. So a name has been given by God to Jesus, which is above every name. Verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Hallelujah. So all authority, all jurisdiction is given to Jesus and it is a universal wide jurisdiction. It is not just on the earth as the first Adam had, but Jesus said, heaven and in earth, all authority is given to me. And this authority that Jesus has been given is operative in the church. If he just had been granted this authority to utilize for himself, we would all be at a disadvantage because he's at the right hand of the Father, representing us to the Father. But he delegated the authority that had been delegated to him so that he could not only operate from his position, representatives, he can be in all four corners of the earth, so to speak. He can be everywhere that someone is representing him with his name. Hallelujah. This is what I want to give just a little bit more of attention to today. And I know some of this we're, we're repeating, we're looking back, and we are identifying uh, things that we may have covered before. But I told you I'm not in a hurry. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to lay it line upon line, and we're just going to go over it, and we're going to chew on it. We're going to get all the nutrition out of it until we see ourselves in Christ until we see ourselves as representatives of his authority, till we see that when we open up our mouth and we say, in the name of Jesus, it is just as legal as if Jesus himself is standing, making that same prayer that we're praying, exercising that same authority, and that's how we're going to see the will of God done, by using Jesus' name with the accuracy and the faith and the boldness that he intends for us to use it with. 
Hallelujah. Mark chapter 16, Jesus delegated this authority. Let's look at, at what we refer to often as the Great Commission. Mark 16 and verse 15. And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You go. You go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. He that believes and is baptized shall be saved, but he that believeth not shall be condemned. And these signs shall follow them that believe in my name. Now, I know that we're not going to argue where the semicolon goes. But if I tell you to go to Kroger, and in Kroger you're going to find the bread down the bread aisle, and in Kroger you're going to find the milk down the milk aisle, and if you'll go and you'll find a, a jar of pickles in whatever aisle, and all of those things can be found in the Kroger. In the Kroger is, is a prepositional phrase telling you where you can find all of those things. And this list is, is listing for us the signs or the, the uh, evidences that follow those that believe in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. In my name. In my name. They will cast out devils. In my name. They'll speak with new tongues. They'll take up servants. And if they drink any deadly thing, it shall not hurt them. And they shall lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. And so he's telling us the things that we're going to do, we're going to do them in his name, representing him, representing all that is his and all that he has. He says, in my name, I want you to go, I want you to go into all the world and I want you to preach and I want you to do it in my name. And these are the evidences, these are the signs, these are the, the, the things that are going to follow as you represent me. Praise God. So verse 20 of this same chapter says, They went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them and confirming the word with signs following. So they were there in his name and he was working with them because they were representing him. The Lord working with and confirming the word with signs following. Hallelujah. That's the pattern we are called to operate. That's the pattern he established for us. I mentioned what Acts chapter 10. Let's go ahead and turn to Acts 10 verse 38 and let's look specifically at this verse for a different purpose. I used it to identify Jesus of Nazareth in my previous mention of it, but I want to look at it again. Acts 10, 38, Peter's sermon in Cornelius' house and he, he makes this declaration that also coincides with Mark chapter 16. In Acts 10, 38, Peter said, How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, 
for God was with him. Well, Jesus was with the disciples because they went in his name. How, how God anointed Jesus, and then it says, for God was with him. 2 Corinthians 5, 19 also gives this pattern of how God works with us and how God worked with Jesus and Jesus works with us. 2 Corinthians 5 and verse 19, it says, To wit, that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. God was in Christ and Christ is in us. We have a pattern that has been not only exampled for us in Jesus, but is now operating in us through Jesus. Jesus was the example for us. God was in Christ reconciling the world. How God was with him. Right? And Jesus said, you go in my name and I'll be with you. And the Lord working with them and confirming the word. Why? Because they didn't call themselves to go preach the gospel. They didn't take it upon themselves to go out and to try to, to do what God had called them to do. They went because they'd been sent by Jesus. Jesus gave them a mandate. And Jesus has given us all the, the mandate. You may not all go to a foreign land, but we can all go into our own world. We can go into our sphere of influence. We can, we can touch the people in our community and in our neighborhood and in our family. When we see the pattern is God was with Jesus and Jesus is with us, we recognize that this is how the authority is delegated. John chapter 5. John chapter 5, let's look at verse 30. And I'll be honest with you, the first time I ever heard this scripture, it seemed so foreign of a concept to me that I, I, I thought it was just Jesus being falsely humble. I thought Jesus just being humble. But he but when we began to see the pattern, we realized this is the perception of one who is sent. John 5 verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing. Doesn't that just kind of tip your boat right there? It did for me. I had a really hard time with that. Jesus said, I can of my own self do nothing. And, I, and when I first read that, I was still under a false impression about, you know, Jesus was still possessing all of his God characteristics and he was still operating. And, you know, I was the one saying, well, he could do that because he was Jesus. But I can't do that because I'm me. But do you see where Jesus is wanting us to see ourselves? I'm in him, and he's in me. So I can do all things through Christ, which strengthens me. I'm in him, and so that means I'm getting my strength from him. I'm getting my wisdom from him. I'm getting my ability from him. He's in me, so he's able to, to do it, it through me 
what I'm not capable in my own human ability to do. Amen? Jesus said he could of his own self do nothing. That's total dependence on the Father. Total dependence on the Father. I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. This is why his judgment was just, is because he was in his delegated position and his delegated authority. This is the attitude that we have to cultivate. That I can do all things through Christ, but I can of my own self do nothing. The only way I can do anything I can do is by Him and through Him. Remember Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet it is not I that live, it's Christ who's living in me. That is someone who is so identified with the fact that Jesus is crucified and I'm crucified in Him. When He went to the cross, He went for me so completely that the life that's now living in me is not my life, it's His life and I give myself to His plan and His purpose and His ability. Hallelujah. So He said... I seek the will of the Father which hath sent me. In other words, I'm so committed to represent my Father, I'm here on His authority. Do you remember what caused the man who Jesus said he had not found so great faith in all of Israel, the centurion in Matthew chapter 8, what set his faith apart what set his faith apart? It was his putting faith in line with delegated authority. He said, he said, if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed because I understand authority. I'm a man in authority, but I'm also a man under authority. Why? The authority I delegate comes because I'm submitted and it's been delegated to me. It didn't originate with me. The authority is not mine to do my will with. It's his to do his will with. And the more we're submitted to his will, the greater our faith is going to work. The more we're submitted to and dependent upon him and finding ourselves in committed to his plan, then the more we're going to see what is delegated through us operating correctly. So when we look at this, uh, we're going to ask a question. And this might be the only part of this, and then we'll pick this back up on Sunday. We want to ask a question. Where did Jesus get his authority? Now, we're, we're looking at this from this statement he made just here. In verse 30, I can of my own self do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is just because I seek not my own will, but the will of the Father which hath sent me. 
That's our answer. Jesus got his authority because he was sent. We're talking about the authority he was operating in as he was here on the planet before this delegated authority, the, deleg- the authority that was given to him that we read in Philippians chapter 2 originated with him being sent by God. So let's look at John 3. John 3 and verse 17. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but you could say God sent him so that the world through him might be saved. God sent Jesus. Jesus came to the earth to do the Father's will. We have his words in Hebrews that he uttered to the Father as he entered into the earth. A body you have prepared me. I come in the volume of the book to do your will, O God. So we see that he came to do the will of the Father. He came as a man, but he was sent. God sent him. God sent Jesus, and in the sending, there is an authorization. Let's also look at chapter 4, verse 34. Jesus said unto them, My meat is to do the will of him that sent me, and to finish his work. To do the will of him that sent me. Chapter 5. Verse 23, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honors not the Son honors not the Father which hath sent him. So now we see that in the sending there is a delegation of authority and there's a delegation of honor. Hallelujah. It came because he was sent by God. Hallelujah. These are just a few of the numerous references in just the book of John alone of Jesus saying, I am sent by the Father. I'm sent by the Father. I'm sent by the Father. He was consistently declaring that and including that in his language. I'm sent by the Father. The Father sent me. I'm sent by the Father. The Father sent me. Hallelujah. He saw himself as sent. He recognized I'm sent. And we have to recognize we are sent ones. The authority that we have is in our lives operative because we are sent. Go ye into all the world. You go. You are sent into your family. You are sent. I'm not telling you you have to be responsible to try to to beat their door down and make them get saved. But shine your light. (laughs) Shine your light. Your, Your authority in prayer alone for your family can do more to open their eyes to see Jesus in you than than trying to beat them over the head with scripture. 
Just live Jesus before them. Just be a person of joy and a person of peace and a person who shows the love of God and let them see Jesus in you and and then the door will come open. But I'm recognizing that we're sent. We are authorized because Jesus sent us. There is no other group of people on the planet that are authorized with the name except the body of Christ. No one else has access to the name that is above every name. How much more should we exercise the authority of that name for his glory? Recognizing that No one else can pick up the name of Jesus and wield it to resist the devil. No one else can pick up the name of Jesus and and use that name to approach the Father like the body of Christ can. So that should stir us to be so skilled and so adept and so proficient in our faith Concerning the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus has been given to us. And we are sent. Authorized in that name. Hallelujah. I'm going to just... Un, un, unhook right there because I don't want to try to get any further into this. We'll pick it up and continue it as we go. I believe you've received tonight. Let's, let's exercise our authority in the name of Jesus this week. Now, let me, let me just give you a, a word of encouragement. When you pray, it is correct to open your prayer by saying, Father, I come in the name of Jesus. That's correct. But it's possible that you could say that and not release faith in the name when you say it because it's become traditional. Father, I come in the name of Jesus. Just going through that name so fast automatically just I'm using it as the opening to the prayer or the closing to the prayer. It is correct to open and close prayer by calling on the name, but we want to target our faith. And so, did you hear me when I prayed earlier today? I took a little bit more emphasis and I rearranged the way so that I'm not saying it the same way every time. Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. But instead, I'm saying, Father, I come and I lift up the name of Jesus. Father, I I come in the authority of the name that is above every name. I'm making my mind and and I'm I'm releasing purposefully from my spirit a, a respect and an honor for the name. And I'm recognizing because I've been feeding on these scriptures about the authority of Jesus' name. I recognize, and in my mind's eye, when I say that name, every angel in the room, because I see angels in the room, not with my natural eye, but just by my spirit, I know that the angels are sent to minister for those who are heirs of salvation. So I know there are angels in this room. I don't see them. 
but I know they're here. And in my mind's eye, when I say the name of Jesus, they all stand at attention and they're ready for action. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, start with your personal prayer time, releasing a greater authority in the name of Jesus by just either worshiping the name Father, I honor the name of Jesus. Your name is the name that is above every name. I worship the, I worship the authority that you have in that name. I worship you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It, it says, bless the name of Jesus. Blessed be the name. Blessed be the name. Let's worship to the name. Amen. So take some time throughout your personal time to fellowship with his name. Fellowship with him by his name. Talk to him about his name. Lord, I'm honored that you have, have given me your name. You've given me your name. What a privilege that I am named. Ephesians chapter 3 says that the whole family in heaven and in earth is named with that name. I'm named with that name. You know, you know, before I got married to Pastor Philip, I practiced writing Michelle Steele. I got, I got that big S, you know. You know, you'd, you'd, I'd practice. I'd, be, my, I'd, I'd have a whole uh, notebook where I'd just been doodling, you know, writing my name, Michelle Steele. Mrs., uh, like I'm practicing how to write the check. Mrs., Mrs. Philip Steele, you know. I was, I was working at Mrs. Philip Steele. Why? Because I was looking forward to being named with, this, with the name. Well, I've been named with Jesus' name as our spiritual covenant relationship that we have with him. We've been named with his name. The whole family in heaven and the family on the earth, we are named with his name. Hallelujah. So strengthen yourself in that name and and. I believe that you'll begin to, to recognize the authority that's released in you as you pray in the name of Jesus.